Hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Everyone good? Everyone feeling all right? Who's loving the sunshine out there today? Yeah, it's nice to see more than five minutes of it, right? Feels like I haven't seen sun since 2022. Oh, it's so good to be here today. Uh, welcome to Watershed. If you're new with us, just a special welcome and greeting to you. We're so glad that you're spending just a portion of your Sunday morning with us today. We're centering ourselves around our God, right? Jesus Christ, our God who came and died, paid the price for us so that we can have new life in God. Um, that's the good news for all of us today. Uh, I got this quote for us, and it's just uh, one that I've been sitting on for a while. Um, this is from an author. His name is J.Y. Kim. Uh, he's, in a write, he's a writer for the Gospel Coalition. He wrote this really um, excellent book called Analog Church. And he's got this quote in here that I, that I, that I hijacked. It's super, super good. Uh, so I just want to share this with us today. Since its earliest days, the church has been about an unlikely people gathering as family in spite of their differences, living in an uncomfortable community with one another, learning together to become one in the transformative presence and by the transformative power of Jesus Christ. That's what we do as a church. We get together with people from all sorts of uh, avenues of life. We come together uh, as an unlikely people who center ourselves around our God. That's the good news for us today, that we become family in him. It says in scripture that we become his, his, uh, his co-heirs with Christ, his brothers and sisters. We become part of his family. So welcome today. You can be part of the family today. We're going to take a moment just to greet each other. Uh, if you need a question to ask somebody, what are you going to do with this beautiful sunny day? Go ahead and stand up and just greet the people around you and say, hey. Good morning. I invite you all to stay standing and join us in these next couple of songs.
Let's sing together uh, a declaration of what we believe together today. This I believe.
Lord Jesus, this morning I just pray that we can open up our hearts and our minds to you this morning for the message. Amen. You may all be seated for the next story video. Over time, the Israelites who had been spread throughout Babylon and other countries began to arrive back home and worship God in Jerusalem at the newly rebuilt temple. But the wall around Jerusalem had still not been rebuilt, leaving it vulnerable to an attack. There was an Israelite named Nehemiah who was living in Susa at the time. When he was told that the Israelites were returning to Jerusalem, but there was no wall to protect them, he wept and prayed, asking God to help rebuild the wall. Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem and gathered the priests and officials and told them of his plan. The plan worked and the wall was rebuilt in only 52 days. Nehemiah wanted to make sure the Israelites were not only safe, but worshiped God with their whole lives. So after the wall was completed, he gathered all of the Israelites and the priest, Ezra, read to them from the Book of Moses. The people understood that they were not currently living God's ways, so they began to weep. But Ezra stopped them, instructing them to instead celebrate all that God had done and return to God's ways. So the Israelites did what Ezra said and began to party. This went on for several days. A short time after this, God sent another prophet named Malachi to the Israelites. Malachi warned the people of what would happen if they turned from God's ways, but also reminded the people of God's promise to bless Israel and use them to bless the entire world. After Malachi, God did not speak to the Israelites through a prophet for 400 years, but God would not be silent forever. All right, if I can have children through fifth grade, we're going to pray before you head off into children's ministries. Here, I'll come down here. Good morning. You guys doing good this morning? Yeah. Nice to see the sunshine. Yeah. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you again just so much for your love for us in Jesus. And as we hear your word, uh, Lord, both uh, in this room and our, and our other classes as well, Lord, I pray uh, just for my little brothers and sisters here uh, that you'll remind them again of how much you love them, how much you're available to them by your spirit, your presence. And Lord, that life, our life comes from you. So, Lord, just bless them and keep them as they learn and as we learn together. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's children said, amen. All right. Well, good morning to y'all. 
Well, that was kind of weak. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you again. Forget that. I mean, no, no good to see you all this morning. Um, I'm Pastor Aaron, campus pastor here at Watershed. Many of you know me just as Aaron, and that is absolutely fine. Um, it, a couple highlights for you uh, here going on at Hardawike across our campus here at Watershed. The first thing is uh, we're in this season of Lent. Uh, it's a season in Christian tradition that helps us focus on our need. Why did Jesus have to come uh, not only live but to give his life, to offer his life on the cross? Why is there a need for a resurrection? Um, so through Lent, Pastor Darwin is offering an opportunity on Wednesday mornings at 7.30 and then Wednesday afternoon for a brief reflection on scripture, prayer, and a short communion service. I mean, it's, we're talking like 15, 20 minutes. So, but uh, if it's something that you need just during this season to help refocus, um, that's one opportunity. Uh, as always, I want to put this out too as your, your pastor here at Watershed. If you ever just want to grab coffee, if you need somebody to come alongside of you in your journey, whether it's uh, just in the journey of life or with Jesus, let me know. I'd be happy to meet, spend time with you, walk with you. To, this morning, we're going to talk about God's word. Sometimes we need uh, that partnership, that person to come alongside of us as we dive in. Um, it's my privilege to be able to do that with you. Um, I just don't know who needs it. So if you ever need somebody just to walk alongside of you, um, please reach out to me. Uh, I'd be happy uh, to spend some time with you. So just as we're thinking about that, but pause is one opportunity. Uh, another ministry we've mentioned before is uh, this happens throughout the summer, Great Escape. Uh, it's a summer day camp, Christian day camp where we can dive into the lives of uh, not only kids from our own church community, but from this community. I, uh, we still need a few more camp counselors. So if you know somebody who's kind of college age, wants to spend their, their time just pouring out love to kids, um, this is a great opportunity uh, if you're right here in, in Holland. So I want to make the mention of that. And then, uh, as we mentioned before, we... We have Feed My Starving Children coming up here on March 10 and 11. Friday night has been filling up really well. We still need um, volunteers on Saturday. Uh, you can see some of the times, but uh, this is also a great reminder. If you want to find out information about what's going on at hardawikehardawike.com, the news, uh, news and events is a great way to check on that, click on the calendar, see what's going on. But uh, if you want to partner with us, and Feed My Starving Children, we, we could still use more volunteers. And then finally, um, just want to, as always, say thank you for your financial partnership in ministry. Um, we, we can give through the website. You can dive in. Our boxes are a way that we give. We don't pass an offering plate. Um, you can text those types of things. But we, we certainly appreciate your partnership as we seek to serve Jesus. So... With that being said, uh, let's, let's pray, and we're going to dive into God's Word this morning. Lord, as we've been singing, it's, it's about you, Jesus. God, your story from beginning to end is, is really about Jesus. It's not about us. It's, it's about you. And when we look at you, God, that's when we get to see who we really are, how much we're loved, how much... God, we're forgiven, how much we're cared for, how much as even as we talked through the book of Esther last week, Lord, how much 
you're there for us even when we don't see you. Lord, all of us come into this space, come into worship this morning with plenty of things on our minds and on our hearts. Lord, this, this morning I'm just reminded across our campus, Lord, there were three funerals. Three of loved ones who've God are now in rest, waiting your final resurrection. And the hole that leaves in the hearts of friends and family, Lord, your comfort, your life is needed to be breathed into theirs. A promise of a resurrection as we sang about, we believe in resurrection in life eternal. Lord, that hope needs to hold us. God, I'm reminded as brothers and sisters deal with cancer and, and, and deal with other illnesses that seem to just strip our, our life away, our strength away. Lord, I'm reminded of as we look in our community, we see divides, divides in families, divides in friendships, divides in our workplaces. And these divides are caused by everything from selfishness and self-centeredness, Lord, to solutions to problems we see in the world and how, how to effectively solve those problems. And yet somehow in the midst of it, instead of coming together, Lord, we feel torn apart. We bear some of that weight today. Lord, for some of us, we come into this space and, and we're celebrating and, and there's been some life this week. We've celebrated birthdays. We've celebrated anniversaries. We've, we've celebrated new relationships We've celebrated, Lord, just life together. God, in those moments, you've been there. You've loved us. You've breathed your life to us. All of these things, God, I'm reminded again, just of this truth, you're with us. As we read your word this morning, God, help us to be reminded that your word, the Bible, God, is a relationship with you. You're speaking to us in this very moment through your Holy Spirit, through your scriptures, through the word that speaks to the word Jesus. God, these aren't just words on a page. These words are life because they are you speaking, talking to us. The God who chooses not to leave us alone but to keep coming into our lives. So, Father, speak. Lord, use my fallible words. I can't speak pure and true. Lord, I can only give what I have to give. But that's where, Lord, I rely on you. We rely on you and your spirit to do the hard work, to make known what needs to be known. To speak your truth where we need to hear truth. To, to challenge our hearts where we need a challenge to encourage us where we need to be lifted. So Holy Spirit, do that today. Use me to clarify, to speak, but to speak only what is true of you. So now, Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak to us for your children we, your children, are here listening. In Jesus' name, all God's children said, amen. 
I don't know if you've seen uh, in the news, it's been going on for the last couple weeks, a uh, revival taking place, an, an outpouring, an awakening at Asbury University, right? Some of you may have seen this picture, and it's starting to actually have a domino effect on other campuses uh, around our, our country, right? I'm not going to offer this morning any great elaborate take on what you should think about it, other than, man, when God works, we should be on board. When God's doing something, changing and transforming lives, um, we need to say, yay, God, um, I don't know the long-term effects. We were talking as pastors this, this week. Um, actually, Pastor Bill has did doctoral work on revivals in America, so it's really interesting to think through this uh, with him. But, uh, you know, we don't know five years from now what this is going to mean for, for campuses, for people, for our culture. But what I do know is God's been at work. It started with a service, much like we're doing today. Worship. As uh, the, chap- the chaplain, the speaker of the day, um, spoke of God's love, sharing God's love, and that we know we, we share God's love out of really an outpouring of knowing God's love. Through that, through worship, through some confession, students decided not to leave. And for two weeks, worship continued. Simple, not elaborate. They weren't seeking um, notoriety, actually. It showed up on social media. (laughs) News outlets have spoken about it. Uh, Magazines have sent reporters, and yet they have humbly said, no, no, that's, I mean, thank you. Um, We'll answer a few questions, but this isn't about celebrity. This isn't about political agenda. This isn't about even Asbury. We just know this is about Jesus, and we want to be about that. We want to figure out how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and they've just really tried to stay out of the limelight, even though the limelight has found them. As they've uh, started to, we don't want to say shut it down necessarily, because they're moving some of their worship kind of across campus, but um, they're also encouraging it in other places. People were like, yeah, how do you shut this down? I just want to read, uh, these are some words from Alexandra Presta, who is the uh, editor for their student paper. And I thought this was just beautiful. She said, we want to expand this. We don't, we, we're not shutting it down. It's not like we have power over it. We want to see it expand. But it isn't sustainable for our university to keep hosting this. They had over 50,000 people in a town of 6,000 people show up. So, like, it's, it's catching fire, but they're like, we can't sustain this. We don't want to hoard it. I like that. This isn't just for us and about us. Because the Holy Spirit's not limited to Hughes Auditorium. She says this, the Holy Spirit's everywhere we go. And you can have a revival right in your living room if you're willing to lean into his love and his grace. That tends to make me think that they got their hearts in the right spot. No room, no building, no simple act contains the Spirit of God who is present with us, who dwells with us, who gives us our life and our breath on a daily, regular basis basis. No one can stop the Spirit from changing and transforming lives. God is doing this globally every day. He's still doing it in this country every day. 
And while they understand there's this new, fresh wind on their campus, I think it's a great reminder for us in our lives that that fresh wind is available to us any day at any given moment. Throughout this small little mini-series as we've journeyed through the the Bible and, and understanding, this is our last sermon on the Old Testament. Right As we focus on the story before Jesus, that's about Jesus, by the way. But we've, we've been talking about kind of this uh, a renewal of the kingdom, a kingdom being restored. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about worship is a really important part of that. What did we see going on at Asbury? They're worshiping God. They rebuilt the temple. This is important. Last week, we talked about Esther. Not everybody returned back to the promised land yet. But those who were committed said, you know what? My moment matters. Where I live, I get to join God in the work that's available to me. Today, we're going to dive in a little bit, too, and we saw it briefly in our video, of what happens when we engage God's word. Right, our tradition, we, on our sign out front, it says Christian Reformed Church. Reformed. It comes out of this time in, in space, 1517, when Martin Luther, who was a monk, was diving into God's word and saw some things in life and in the church that didn't add up with God's word. And it started a renewal. It started, as we could say, a revival. He didn't seek to fight the system. That's not why he went to the Word. He didn't go, I'm going to politically change the world or anything else. It was a man who was devoted to the Word, living in it, letting God speak in him, to him, and through him, that all of a sudden things changed. Life changes. John Calvin, he comes slightly after Martin Luther in the 1500s. He says this about God's word as we're focusing on that today. Scripture is like a pair of spectacles which dispels the darkness and gives us a clear view of God. That the word of God looks at the world, it's a pair of glasses where we see things not as, as we see them, but we see them as God sees them. And in just a little while, we're going to see how and why that works. But I think those are important words for us as we think about the scripture being able to change our lives. That this word that we read, that we engage, that we live in, we chew on, has this ability to radically change campuses, radically change lives, radically change and shape our world. So as we think about this, I want to bring us to Nehemiah. Again, we saw this briefly in our passage, Nehemiah, once the people had settled in their towns. So the walls, Nehemiah came and rebuilt the walls. Zerubbabel and Ezra were responsible for making sure the temple was rebuilt. Now the people are established. So what's the first thing that happened? Ezra, who's a priest, says it's time to read the law again, God's law. It's time to read, we'll say today, God's word. Because this is fundamental to who we are. Nehemiah 8, this is where story picks up. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, all who were able to understand. So everybody who could hear and understand, uh, this whole community gathered to hear God's word. 
verse 3. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. So if you ever think I go long, remember these words. <laughs> he read aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Verse 4, we'll talk about names that joined him as leaders, and then we pick up in verse 5. Ezra opened the book, and all the people who could see him because he was standing above them, he was up on a platform. As he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, amen, truly, truly, we agree. We're in agreement with you, amen. Then they bowed down, they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Right, so this is in worship. Then verse 7, the Levites, and you get to see the names. I'm going to save you from all my pronunciations. <laughs> the Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving that meaning so that the people understood what was being read. They weren't just reading things. It, 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 they, were, they were seeking to make it make sense, right? That's my role every week. I'm trying to make God's word makes sense so that we can bring it into our lives. Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy, it's sacred, it's special, it's holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. We'll talk about that. Why are they mourning and weeping? Don't mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. Right? Love your neighbor. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still. For this is a special, it's a holy day. Don't grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks be to our God. They heard the word change their lives. What is it about this word? I think the first thing I want to make us aware of is that God's word is actually a relationship. I know it's a funny way of putting it. I had to ask Bill and JB, I'm like, is this sort of a weird way of putting it? And they both said, yeah. And yet they both said, however. <laughs> it's interesting. And it's interesting because of this. It, it, it isn't God's word, his law, as, as Nehemiah, as Ezra, as they proclaim this word to the people. It wasn't just words on a paper. It wasn't just something, you know, so often information to put in our heads. They understood, like the temple that housed the very presence of God in their midst, that God's word was actually God himself speaking to them. I know that's hard for us to understand because we're people of books, and books aren't people. We're disassociated from the authors. We're disassociated from the stories. One of the cool things we got to do a couple weeks ago um, on our Fear and Trembling podcast is we got to actually interview the author, Todd Billings, uh, uh, in his book, The End of the Christian Life. And it was just a rich conversation because we actually got to talk to the one who wrote the, 
the words on the paper. And then you realize those words on the paper are his words, so they are by extension him. You following me? I know I'm getting real philosophical here. (laughs) But the words I speak right now are me. They're coming from my heart, right? They're coming from hopefully my mind. Hopefully I've thought about them. And they're also coming by God's spirit at work in my life. When we look at God's word, what we have to understand is it's living, it's breathing, it's active, Hebrews would say. That God's word, and we'll learn this in just a, in, over these next few weeks when we get to Jesus, is living in the fact that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That Jesus is core to the word. According to 2 Peter, that the word, the scriptures we have, what the prophets spoke, were a result of God's very presence, his Holy Spirit, alive and well. So when we pick up the scriptures, why do you think revival takes place? Why do you think lives get changed? Why do you think the people of, of, of Israel, of Judah, stood up and worshipped? Their hearts were changed and transformed because they were engaging a living God. Not just words on a page. I wonder when we engage the scriptures, if we treat them simply as information to pass a test, put the quarter in God to get what I need, or do we understand it's an opportunity to engage the author? in the perfecter of our lives, the creator, the living God. I'll go back to, the, to quote Bill and Ted, the old dead dude, John Calvin, <laughs> says this, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. This is a time when they, in, in, uh, in Latin, said sola scriptura. It's the scriptures of loan. This is a special revelation of God because it is God himself, God's story. As we've journeyed through this whole story series, as we journey through the, the Bible, the Old Testament, 21 weeks through the Old Testament, as we dive into the new, folks, we're not just diving into something God says or words about him. We're diving in, and we do this regularly, to life with God himself. As we think about that this morning, God's word also does some things then. When we understand that it's God working in us, we know that God works in some ways. The next thing that I want to bring to our attention is the fact that God, God's word is like a mirror then. If it's God speaking, what does a mirror do? It reflects something, doesn't it? It shows us something. And so the first thing it shows us is who God is. And as it shows us who God is, it also shows us who we are, right? It points out the character of God. It, sh- it shows us what, what God is like in moments. Last week, we got to see that even though God isn't necessarily mentioned in the book of Esther, we can see God all throughout the pages. So it's, it's an encouragement that God is there even though sometimes we can't necessarily put our finger on him or until later when we look back on the story. And hindsight's what? 2020. 
where we can recount all the ways God works. Shows us and reflects for us a holy God. A God who loves us, desires us, creates us. It also, for, for us though, shows us what? Our need for him. Shows us that Jesus had to come. God needed to come in our lives. Our story isn't back in the Garden of Eden. I wish it was. That the story of humanity, thanks to Satan and sin, took a different turn. Paul says this in Romans 3 about the scripture being a mirror and revealing sin in our lives. It says this in verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared right, righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Right? We can't save ourselves. That's what he's saying. Rather, through the law, through what we're calling this morning God's word, we become conscious of our sin. It makes clear for us what brokenness is. Verse 21, but now apart from the law of the righteousness of God, right, showing us the character of God, the rightness and righteousness of God has been named, known to us, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The scripture reminds us that while our story could have been sin alone, we're caught up in the redemption of Jesus. We're caught up in the salvation of Jesus. We're caught up in the life of him who came to rescue us. We're not sinners in need of saving. We're saints who occasionally sin. Let me say that one more time. We're not sinners in need of saving. If you know Jesus, that story's done. You're now a saint who occasionally sins. You're different because of Jesus. But as a mirror, the scriptures remind us who God is and who we are. Scriptures also help restraint, right? God's word is a restraint. Put it this way, it curbs sin. That God's law is intended to remind us of what sin is, of what brokenness is. And, and when we know it, it's the don't do, right? Hey, don't touch the hot stove. Duh. But how do we know that? We either touched it <laughs> or somebody was kind enough to tell us, don't touch it. Right? That in life, because sin exists in life, we need God's gift to us, actually God's grace to us is, I'm going to make clear what sin is. I'm going to show you the things that take life from you. And that God's law was meant to not only for us, but for society to be a thing to, that puts curves there, that puts guardrails there for us to say, hey, don't go too far. It's meant to be able to say, if you do, that there can actually be punishment. The scripture would actually speak to giving governments authority to punish certain wrongs that happen. But God's law is meant to say, don't go too far. To keep us in check. And as much as it says that, we recognize what? In, in the story of Nehemiah, as Ezra reads, both as we think about the mirror and the restraint, what do we see the people do? Their, their hearts are broken. Because they've crossed those boundaries. And if we read the book of Malachi, we'll see that, man, they did it by uh, divorce. 
because that wasn't the way God intended. Now, I know within this very room, some of you have walked down that pathway. You know that, man, it, it's brokenness, right? You've had to walk through the, the heartbreak. And I, man, I, I can't put into words what you've gone through. You know that that's not the way it's supposed to be. The story of God is it can redeem us. But he also says, man, let me caution you, don't just go do it, right? Willy-nilly, right? Don't, don't just go break. You can't, and, and that would go on throughout all of Scripture to say, hey, your word means something. Not just in that area, in, in any area. Your word means something because when you break your word, what happens? It breaks down trust and relationships and friendships and family, right? God's not for brokenness. While it happens and is part of our story, God's word reminds us, don't, you don't want to go there. But if you do, thankfully what? It's a reflection back that God in his mercy can restore and renew. Right? It's not an either or. It's a both and. But it, it's a mirror. It's a restraint. And it, the people, Malachi will say, hey, you haven't given. You've robbed God in your sacrifices and in how you've used your money. You've given second-rate sacrifices. I've required you to give the best. I require the best for sacrifice. It's, it's been second-rate at bet. You haven't given any of your finances, let alone. He's saying, listen, you, you haven't ordered, put God in the right place. And Malachi will go on to say, uh, listen, some of you decide to say, well, look, they sin and get away with it. Why can't I? How many have ever used that rationale? Well, they did it. Why can't I do it? Malachi, God's word calls them back. Some of them go on to even doubt, just simply doubt. Nah, God, you're not real. God's word calls them back. Right? It's not always comfortable when it works as a restraint, when it says don't. But when we understand the don't is coming from a God who's trying to bring us life, because he's saying, listen, if you touch a stove, it's going to burn. He's trying to, as a parent who loves us, say, man, if you, if you cross that threshold, it's going to take life from you. Right? Don't. And yet, God's word as a mirror reflects that God can save us from those moments. Can restore us from those mistakes or missteps. Or the things that have happened to us that we had no choice over. Or the difficult decisions we had to make. Trusting in faith that we thought we were just making the best decision we knew how. God's word functions as a mirror and a restraint. Psalm 119 reminds us this. How can a young man, a young person, stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart. And I might not sin against you. Right, God, I'm, I, I'm engaging you. I'm trying to share life with you. So I don't live in the brokenness. And God's word in, in God's grace is also a guide for us. Right? It's not just a restraint, a don't do, but it is a guide of do-do. Yeah, that's a fun one. 
right? It's the wisdom that leads us again to, hey, if you've sinned, if you've fallen, if you've made mistakes, man, go, go to the one who loves you, who's merciful to you, who forgives. The people confessed their sin. We know this in their tears. We, we may not have gotten to hear about it, but their broken hearts before God were enough for God to say, okay, but guess what? Cheer up, because in my story, there's new life. Today's a new day. What was before has been, but today is a new opportunity. Today's a new moment. I'm a God whose mercies are new every morning, who gives you a thousand times over another chance, a new opportunity. I'm going to walk with you from here forward as much as I was there in what has been. But let me guide you. Let me direct you. Let me show you how to live into life. Let me show you where to go, what to do. Second Timothy is a great reminder of this. When Paul writes to Timothy, kind of a disciple of his, he says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. Because you know that those from, you know the people, right? You know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you, infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. They're a mirror for our salvation. Right? And all scripture is God breathed. There it is. It's God's voice. God's speaking. God's life. It's God breathed. God inspired. Is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in right, righteousness. In rightness corrects us, it also directs us. It goes so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like we said last week, God is looking for partners in this world. He created us to be co-laborers with him in this world, to care for the world, to love those who we are around. Why, does Ad, why is there a renewal at Asbury? Because one of the things they're thinking about is not only how do we love God, but how do we love our neighbors? Right? How do we care for others? But in order to do that, I'm going to need God's help to do it because in my heart of hearts, I know that, man, I can get pretty self-centered. I can get a, my sin, my brokenness can get in the way, can trip me up. But man, God's story is, hey, Aaron, if you repent, if you'll change, if you confess those sins, I'm faithful and I am, I'm merciful, I'm just, and I'll forgive you of those sins and I'm going to lift you into new life. That's not just a story for me. That's a story for all of us. We can hear what Nehemiah and Ezra say to the people. Hey, smile. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not your report card on your performance of what has been. You want equality in life? Guess what? It's this. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's actually where equality lies. It ain't in our goodness. That's a whole different card. But by God's grace, he took that card to the cross so that you and I can be saved. Their hearts broke because they encountered the living God. They encountered a story where they went, man, if that's me, they realize actually in Nehemiah 8 that they're like, wait, we haven't celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles 
right? That was supposed, it's, a, it's in the law, we're supposed to celebrate this. We haven't celebrated that for quite a while, so we should celebrate it. And then scripture tells us they've never had a, a, a seven-day celebration like it ever since. <laughs> they did the word. When they heard it, when their hearts were moved by it, they went and lived into it. They did it. James says, don't be just hearers of the word. Do what it says. So when you hear it, when it gets your heart, then dive in. If God says you're saved, you're forgiven, then believe it. That's called faith. Trust it. Rely on it. The joy of the Lord is your strength, not the joy of your regret. While God may make clear what we've done, he makes clear what Jesus has done. He says, my rightness is yours in him. Believe, trust, have faith. And out of that love, let my love flow out to others. Go do, live. Season of Lent. It's not a biblical season, just FYI. It's a church came up with it back in the early 300-ish A.D. It's a season, though, that, that's set aside to remind us all of us need a little renewal in life. All of us need a revival. Thanks to Alexandra, she reminds us a revival can happen in our living room. Why? Because the Spirit's with you. All of us can confess to God wherever we are. All of us have the opportunity today as we hear what God's word is to engage the living God as we read it. Notice on no point in time did I say you have to understand every word of it. By the way, you saw me omit one verse that had a lot of names and read over a few more. Because <laughs> I can't even pronounce all of them, right? <laughs> like, it, it isn't about your performance. But will we engage it? Because we have a God who seeks to engage us. Let this be a reminder to you every day. If God didn't love you, we wouldn't have this scripture. We wouldn't have his word. And we wouldn't have had the living word. So you think about that as we reflect on that this morning. Let's pray. God, your scripture, your story is you living, breathing, talking. And as I say that, and I've, I've preached a message, Lord, again, my, my words just can't compete with what you have to say. I only can ever do my best. But the beauty, Lord, is not about, for, for me, my performance. It's about yours, your spirit that's alive in each and every one of us. And it's the same for all of us as we pick up the scripture. It's not about how much we can, we can somehow get or understand out of it. It's when we engage your scriptures, your word. God, you're breathing, you're living, you're speaking. Your spirit's there. And so, so, God, we ask that you help us understand when we dive in. That we can experience your spirit breathe life into us. 
Speak your truth to us. Lord, that it will reflect, it'll be a mirror that shows us your character, your quality, your, your person. That it will reflect and show us your story of redemption and salvation. Lord, that it will help us see the don't do's. To be clear about some of the sin in our lives. Lord, and that, that's a hard thing to ask for, especially in our world. Lord, just say, hey, show me my sins. Show me my mistakes, Lord. Show me where I've gone wrong. Show me where wrong has happened to me. Lord, for us, it's a painful experience. But we can do that only because, God, we're looking at what has been through your eyes, not simply our own. That, again, we're part of your story. Even though we may have sinned and fallen short, we were once sinners in need of grace. We are now in you, saints, who still sometimes sin. We're a rescued people. Remind us again of that, Lord, and, and help us to confess, to shed the tears where necessary, but also experience the assurance of your grace to restore joy, because the joy of you, God, is our strength. And finally, God, guide us. Guide us by your scriptures, by your word. Lead us in, into how to love you best and how to love our neighbor best. Lord, as our brothers and sisters in Asbury prayed, revive us, Lord, by your love. Use us for your sake. And we know as we say that we can only do that by your help. So, Lord, revive us by your love so that we can love those we encounter. Again, God, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for for speaking to us, this special revelation to us. Thank you for your grace again in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. We've got one more song for our morning together. And um, this song is maybe a little more of just a, a kickoff for Lent. Um, it's this season where we, we look forward to the cross and the resurrection and we remember what Jesus did for us. So uh, we invite you just to stand with us today as we sing this out together. It's a reminder that Jesus went to the cross for us. Just as you know, Ezra and Nehemiah returned and were able to rebuild, and then they read the word, and there was a sort of revival. We can have revival in our hearts when we look to the cross, when we look to the resurrection, when we look to Jesus. So we just invite you to sing this along with us today.
God says of Jesus, we're going to hear this in a couple weeks, you're my beloved, and with you I'm well pleased. Because of the gift of him, I want to say that over you today. That is who you are in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you were last night. The gift of God in Christ Jesus is you are his beloved. And God's story will continue to lead you and help you and shape you if you'll allow that story to be your story in life. It'll help you heal. It'll help you find freedom. It will help you rest. Because we have a God who is for us and not against us. Amen? Go with this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, amen. Be blessed and go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we'd appreciate that as well.